and welcome to The Bookmark, a podcast sponsored by the Wallingford Public Library, where we obsess about books, culture, and library life. My name is Allison, and I'm a children's librarian and self-professed book nerd who loves to read, listen, and talk about books, authors, and illustrators. And with me today is my friend, Cindy. Hi, everyone. My name is Cindy, and I'm a reference and reader's advisory librarian and also a self-proclaimed book nerd, although I read more books than I listen to. I could talk about books and authors all day long, and sometimes I do. On today's show, we'll start by sharing some recent library developments, and then, since we're recording this podcast the day before Thanksgiving, we thought we would spend the episode talking about our favorite books, movies, television shows, and podcasts that center around one of our all-time favorite topics, food! Yay! <laughs> So what have you been up to, Cindy? Well, here's, we've actually had to implement some fairly involved changes in response to the surge in COVID cases uh, in our area, not just in Wallingford, but throughout New Haven County and the state of Connecticut. COVID cases regrettably are up as we're in this second wave. And um, we, are, we are determined to stay open um, and be a source of information and books and all other great things to the public but we've had to retrench a little bit to respond to the surge. So uh, basically what we've done is we've removed all the chairs that uh, were scattered around the library and the, on the work tables and the study carrels. Uh, we've left the chairs by the computers, but we've removed all the other chairs and we are asking uh, visitors to the library not to linger. Um, we did have people coming in to get access to our Wi-Fi and do their homework or do some work or even use one of our study rooms, which we'd opened up and that's now closed. And, and we're just regrettably asking people to spend less time in the library. Computer appointments are still available. Uh, we're going to be very strict about limiting those appointments to one, one per person per day um, and st also strict about capping them at one hour. Um, uh, we, our hours are staying the same, 9.30 to 12.30 and two to seven during the week and 9.30 to one on the weekends. You do have to wear a mask at all times when you come into the building and you can come in to browse, you can come in to pick up your holds. We are encouraging people to think about going back to using park and pickup again. And we are also being, being very strict about food and drink in the library. Food was never allowed. Drink in a covered container used to be allowed and for right now, uh, there is no food or drink allowed. We have to have the masks on at all times. Uh, staff are going to be very strict about social distancing. Uh, we are not going to come over to help you even from a distance. We have to try to help you from the desk. And we really hope you understand that we're making these changes to keep everyone safe, but to, to continue to provide services as much as we possibly can. Yes, it's, it's definitely a different time, but we're hoping that everybody stays safe and stays healthy. Um, so switching gears, Cindy, as you said, we are recording this on the day before Thanksgiving, and this is definitely one of the stranger Thanksgivings I think that, that, <laughs> yes. that we're all going to have. Um, it's certainly not the normal Thanksgiving in my house, nor do I expect it's the normal Thanksgiving in your house, but you and I both love food. We love talking about food. We love sharing recipes. We love cooking for the library staff when we could, when we can. Um, and we used to be able to sit around the lunch table in our staff room and all share recipes and thoughts about food. We can't really do that right now. So we are just gonna devote our entire podcast today about food. 
Um, and we're not going to stop thinking about it or eating food. We're just going to, we're going to dive Absolutely right into not. it. Yes. With <laughs> em empty stomach. There are so many areas uh, to talk about related to food, but let's start by taking a deep dive into food memoirs or rather memoirs about famous chefs or foodies. Awesome. I, I need to start by just mentioning my, who I consider the grand dame of cooking, Julia Child. Her memoir, My Life in France, is just a lovely story of her relationship with her husband and uh, her love of cooking and how it evolved and how she became who she is. I just think she's amazing. I've watched, I've read her books. I've watched the movie about her, which, which you're going to mention. Yep. And I even went to the Smithsonian Museum and saw the model of her kitchen. Did you really? Have you seen that? No, I mean, I only saw it in the movie, but I've never yeah. seen it in person. Oh, no, you, you know what? I take it back. We were at the Smithsonian with the girls when they were growing up, and I did see it, and it was yes. so cool. It's so cool. You can go in, and they have all of her tools and all her pegboards there, and you can see the space that she worked in. And um, and the, is it true that the, the counter height uh, is higher because yes. she was so tall? Yes, it's higher, but it was not a big kitchen. Um, it's really, you know, a replica of the size of it. Um, but really, you know, if you're really into, you know, following people, it's really cool to go see the model of her kitchen at the Smithsonian. Um, I was thinking about her and her husband and their relationship and comparing them in my mind, kind of like Ina Garden and her husband, Jeffrey. Yep. Ina's kind of like, to me at least, a modern day Julia Child. In, in yes, our, and in she, what one of her cookbooks is actually called Cooking for Jeffrey. So she, yes. she, all of his favorite dishes that she makes for him all the time. And I yes. love that. Yes. And Julia's child, Julia Child's husband was named Paul, wasn't he? Not, was he Paul. Not? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So some other wonderful memoirs, if you're into reading books about famous chefs and foodies, are Marcus Samuelson, who is the head chef and owner of the Red Rooster restaurant in Harlem. His memoir is called Yes, Chef, a Memoir. Marcus Samuelson um, is a Nigerian-born um, man who was adopted by a Swedish family. And so he's got a really, really interesting backstory to his life and how he, and his upbringing. Another, and also, and, and also, sorry, just to, to how sure. those divergent um, contexts gave him an interesting approach to food and his yes, recipes. It's yes. such a strange mix. It is such a strange mix, but yet he is, he's brilliant. And another great memoir is Kwame Mwachi's um, memoir, which is called Notes from a Young Black Chef. He is the owner of a restaurant in Washington, D.C. called Kip and Kin. And he had a really interesting life, um, all the way from selling drugs to going to cooking school to starting his own catering company. I just finished reading David David Chang's memoir, which is called Eat a Peach, a memoir. A book, a book that's getting a ton. That book only came out a, a little bit ago and it got it's on a bunch of best of lists. It's gotten a ton of buzz. Yes, he is very, very candid about his struggles with his own um, issues of mental illness and thoughts of suicide and the stress of being a chef and how he was extremely tough on his workers and has kind of come around. He um, started a very famous restaurant in Manhattan called Mamafuku. Um, another book that I really, really love is Gabrie Gabrielle Hamilton's Blood, Bones and Butter, The Inadvertent Education of a Reluctant Chef. Fabulous book, just yes. a fabulous, unputdownable book. Yes, I remember you and I both reading that and loving that. She is 
the owner of Prune, which I think you and I both have agreed that just, I think it closed, unfortunately, yeah. in the beginning of the yeah. pandemic, which was really sad. Um, can't go without mentioning, uh, although my heart breaks when saying it, Anthony Bourdain, who very sadly um, took his own life not too long ago. He is the author of Kitchen Confidential, Adventures in the Culinary Underbelly. And he is also the star of a wonderful um, show on Netflix called No Reservations, where he travels around the world and samples different food. And he's just brass and lets, says what he wants to say. And just, I mean, just a you know, crazy, interesting person. Um, and lastly, uh, I'd like to mention the book, the, the Dirty Life, a memoir of farming, food, and love by Kristen Kimball. Kristen Kimball is a writer who traveled to Vermont to interview a farmer not far away from where I went to college um, on Lake, near Lake Champlain and fell in love with him and with the farming life and very reluctantly became a farmer. So that's what those are yeah, some I've of read, my I top read that books. book. I thought it was a hoot. Um, yeah. Hard life. Uh, hard, life. Uh, hard life. And, and her, I, I give her props for having the courage to do that because she really walked into something she knew nothing about. For and sure. Had to learn from scratch. Yeah. For sure. What do you have to recommend, Cindy? So my uh, my all-time favorite food writer is Ruth Reichel, who um, was the uh, food critic for the New York Times for very for many years, and then became the editor in chief of Gourmet Magazine um, for the last ten years of that magazine's existence. Um, I, I would I have to say she had nothing to do with the fact that it closed. She she. She writes about food the way she would write a novel. It's it just so engagingly written. Um, and she's written several memoirs, Tender at the Bone, Comfort Me with Apples, Garlic and Sapphires, um, and My Kitchen Year and Save Me the Plums. Save Me the Plums was about her life as the editor-in-chief of Gourmet. So interesting. And, um, and the suddenness of the ending. Uh, and then My Kitchen Year is about her depression when that was over and how she retreated to her country home and sort of saved herself by finding joy in cooking again. Mm -hmm. uh, she's also written a novel called Delicious, which obviously is also about food. Uh, is so that she's fiction, just, Cindy? Is that, is it's that fiction. A, Delicious it is, is oh, fiction. All, oh, the, all the others are um, memoirs. Okay. Um, and she's just, she's just a wonderful, engaging writer. Um, I, I also would recommend... MFK Fisher, this is a little old school, but she she's sort of of the of the Julia Child generation yeah. um, and just wrote about food um, in a very kind of mid-20th century way, but super engaging and delightful. She spent a, she's American, she spent a lot of time in France, and she has a ton, a ton of books um, uh, that if, if you just feel like cozying up with a good book about love of food and appreciation for food, um, I would recommend, and none of them is, is very long. We've talked about Bill Buford before um, mm -hmm. in this podcast. He's two big books. One is called Heat, um, which is about learning how to cook in Italy. And, the, and the more, his new one is called Dirt, which is about learning how to cook in France. Um, he he is, uh, tells it like it is and how hard it is. Um, and he just obviously um, loves it. And his books are super fun. Um, and, and two others, Calvin Trillin, who is a who uh, has made a career out of writing for the New Yorker and um, uh, has published a lot of novels, a couple of novels, and a lot of collections of essays and memoirs. Um, and he's very, very funny. And he's known for his love of food 
and, and veering off drives to go to some local hole in the wall, whatever that he heard about. And, and, and all of his food essays have been published um, in a big book called the Tummy Trilogy. And it is just, um, it's just a joy to read. Uh, um, and he's, he's so clever and he's so funny and, and he really will try to eat almost anything and go <laughs> almost anywhere for a good meal. Um, and finally, I wanna mention uh, one of my all time favorite writers who, who died in, um, tragically young in her upper 40s. Um, gosh, it must be over, over 20 years ago now. Her name is Lori Colwyn. Uh, and she wrote a series of just delightful novels. One is actually called Happy All the Time, if you can imagine such a title. And the title is appropriate for the book. Um, and, but in addition to those novels, and I really recommend her, uh, she wrote two books called Home Cooking and More Home Cooking. And, and they, were, they were about her time when she was very, just starting out in New York. She lived in one of those tiny uh, apartments and had the smallest kitchen you can possibly imagine. And she somehow managed to cook and to have dinner parties and, and, and create all kinds of amazing recipes using her bathtub for some things. And, doing all kinds, just really creative ways to cope in a small space and, and make and learn how to really be a good cook. And so her recipes, so the book is about that and, and has a ton of recipes, again, two books, home cooking and more home cooking. Um, and they're, they're not, they're like, you know, take a chicken and do this to it and throw a little bit of this. And this. But, but you can imagine this sort of little life in this little New York apartment and how she how she managed to make wonderful food. And it's just, it's, they're, they're joyous to read. I'm going to have to check that out because this is the second time I've heard about her this week, actually. Um, no the, first, the first time I heard about her was on a podcast, another podcast I listened to, um, Margaret Roach, uh, who was an editor for Martha Stewart Gardening, I believe, um, has a book and a podcast called A Way to Garden. And it's about how she left her life in Manhattan after 9-11 and moved up to, oh. um, into the country. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, her, they were mentioning books that were really comforting to read. And then Lori Colwyn's books were mentioned. So I've got to check she's, those out. She's just wonderful. I, I still remember how upset I was when I, when I found out she had, yeah. she had died suddenly. And uh, she's, I, she, I think she's the only author where I've, I've actually read and reread every single one of her books. Oh, wow. I just love her. Wow, that's kind of how I feel about Anthony Bourdain. I've watched and rewatched No Reservations. Yep. Um, I just, just love it and so yep. sad. But um, so beyond reading, which of course you and I love, or, or listening <laughs> to books, um, when, when we need to veg out and we need to just kind of decomp decompress for a little while, we can watch TVs or movies or television shows about food. And a few that I'm going to recommend right now are from Netflix. Um, the first is called The Chef's Show, and it's um, two characters mostly. Um, it's sort of a spinoff from a movie called The Chef's Show, but in real time, these guys are cooking, they're interviewing different um, restaurateurs or food truck guys, and they cook, and they laugh, and it's just funny, and um, you get a lot of really great ideas for recipes. Another, um, another Netflix show is called Ugly Delicious, and it is by, it's a David Chang production. 
he believes that food does not have to be perfect and so esoteric. It can be ugly and delicious and just tastes just as well. <laughs> and the third one that I've just discovered, I think actually this is not, this is actually on Amazon Prime, is um, by a British guy named Rick Stein. Not to be confused with Rick Steve. It's Rick Steve, right? Who's Rick Steve is the travel is the travel guy, right? So Rick Stein also travels, but he combines traveling with food. So you have Rick Stein's Mediterranean escapes, you have Rick Stein's weekend escapes, and it combines my two favorite things: travel and food. So he'll travel to different parts of the world, and he'll go into the markets, and he'll shop, and he'll talk to people, and he'll go to restaurants and eat. But then the cool thing is that he goes back to his home in Padstow in Cornwall, England, and he cooks the recipes in his home, some of the things that he's learned in different countries. So he's just this adorable British guy. It's just fun to watch, short segments. Oh, that sounds just, great. It's a great escape. It's a great escape. What have you been watching lately, Cindy? Well, so it sounds like that Rick Stein show is uh, Amazon Prime's answer to Netflix's Somebody Feed Phil, yeah. which is my current my current favorite food show, I think it's safe to say. Um, uh, Phil Rosenthal is the creator of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, that um, sitcom that was hugely, hugely popular and turns out to be fairly autobiographical. Uh, and he is this very funny, very warm and outgoing, tall, gangly, thin guy who cannot get enough food. Um, he, he loves people, he loves to travel, and he loves to eat. Mm -hmm. um, and so Netflix has done um, a couple of seasons of him flying all over the world and spending several days in a city, sometimes going out into the countryside and really eating not only the high-end high food, but also the street food and the food from the markets and getting to know a lot of the local chefs. Um, and it, it, people have described the show as sort of a nicer version of Anthony Bourdain's <laughs> show, but it sounds like a, it's not dissimilar from Rick Stein, although I don't think Phil cooks. I've never seen him actually cook. No, he, he does himself. eat a lot, and it's amazing. He weighs, I bet, about 100 pounds. I, dripping how, wet. He's so how, how thin. Can, how can he eat as much I, as he does? I, I, I honestly don't know, but he's gone to such interesting I mean, he's gone to um, mainstream places, but he's also gone to some places that, um, um, you, you know, Saigon was in a fascinating episode. Um, um, he's gone to places really all over the world. I think he went to um, South Africa. He was in South Africa. I, he's been throughout Europe, throughout the United States. In one episode, oh no, one, I think so far in Canada, in Montreal. Um, but he's really tried to, to to, he's not afraid to travel clearly. And um, the people he meets and the food he eats are just, it's just um, dynamite. His episode in Rio uh, really blew me away. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so anyway. He's, he's so infectious. He's just a delight to watch his facial gestures. And I yeah. love when he interviews, yes. his dad does a little cameo each time they Skype him in. And his dad just tells these really bad jokes, but they're just hysterical because hysterical they're so bad. They, they are so funny. And his brother is producer on the show and so sometimes gets involved too. But yes, you're right. Phil's facial expressions are priceless, yes. priceless. Yes. So anyway, yes. I highly recommend that. Um, the Great British Bake Off, um, which is called the Great British Baking Show in the United States. That's an, another Netflix 
series. I mean, it's it's on in the UK, um, but Netflix has picked has picked it up. Um, that's uh, you know a, a cooking competition, a baking competition, really that has that has become hugely um, escapist and fun and wonderful. And we watch an episode a week, um, uh, just as it's appearing in the in the UK, and and we love it. Um, and then, of course, the my favorite food movie is Julie and Julia, which you mentioned yes. earlier um, about a a woman named Julie who decides to cook her way through um, Julia Child's famous cookbook. Um, and we get her year of doing that alongside Julia's year, um, not year, more than a year, um, in her life in Paris with her husband, Paul, um, and the great Meryl Streep, of course, playing Julia and Stanley Tucci playing Paul. And it's just an absolutely wonderful movie. Such a great movie. Such a great movie. I love all of the things you recommended. And my husband will actually watch The Great British Bake Off with me, which you know really? is a sign of a really good show. Yes, we, we, it's become a family event. Every Friday evening yes. after dinner, we sit down and watch us the newest too. episode. Us too. Us too. Well, Cindy, you know that I'm a huge podcast person. I do. Hence us creating this podcast. But I do, <laughs> I do spend a lot of time listening to podcasts on my walks or on my drives to work or home. Um, so here are a few that I'd love to recommend. And um, to our listeners, we don't need to say this, but you should also know that all of these things, all of these recommendations will be in our show notes so that you can tune in or read or watch whatever we're, we're talking about. For sure. For sure. The first podcast I'd love to recommend is called The Splendid Table. It's hosted by Francis Lamb, and um, he interviews different food people, different chefs. He talks about recipes. It's just a lovely, a lovely listen. You and I both love Samin Nosrat, and she has she is the author of correct, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yes, which is a wonderful book. She started a podcast with her friend Rishi. It's called Home Cooking. They meant it to be just a quick couple, six episodes in the beginning of the pandemic lockdown, and it's become now, I think it's in its second season. Um, you and I were saying in the beginning when we were talking about this podcast that just to listen to her, to her laugh, kind of like Phil is just, it just makes your day. It just, she, you can't, you can't stop laughing and smiling. She's just a joyous person and, and just a, a giving outgoing person. And it's, it's, it's just, I, I love her. I just love her. I do too. I do too. Um, you and I both love Christopher Kimball. Um, Christopher Kimball's Milk Street is another wonderful podcast. We've also mentioned on previous podcasts, but I'd love to mention it again, The Sporkful by host Dan Pashman. Um, Dan is not afraid to, to talk about some tough topics, um, but all related to food or the food industry. He is just witty and funny and um, not afraid to go to different topics that I think is it's very refreshing to listen to. Yep. Two others are Play Me a Recipe, where you, you can actually cook along with the host and you can it's meant for you to stop and play back or go forward um, so you can actually cook along at the same time. And then Lunch Therapy, where the host actually interviews um, a different food-related person and he uh, talks about, you know, kind of tries to give a little psychoanalysis of them based on what they ate for lunch that day. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Why not, yeah. That's a hoot. It is, it is. Um, so, so also, 
let's talk about some of our favorite cookbooks and recipes and favorite gadgets and utensils, Cindy. Yeah, why not? What, sure. What is, yeah, what is your, one of your favorite cookbooks? Well, I know so it's hard. I don't, I don't know that I, I, I mean, I have a lot of favorite cookbooks, but what the cookbook that's on my kitchen counter right now is called Thanksgiving 101 by Rick Rogers. Um, I bought that cookbook many years ago now, uh, before the first time that I ever hosted Thanksgiving, we used to go to my mom and dad's um, and they announced, I think they decided they were just going to start ordering in. They didn't want to do it. And I said, no, 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 I want, I want Thanksgiving to be homemade proper Thanksgiving and that I was going to start doing it. So of course, but then I panicked um, and I did what I always do when I panic, which is that I read up on how to do it. And I started with this book, Thanksgiving 101. There, there are a kajillion Thanksgiving recipes out there for every single thing you could possibly want to make for Thanksgiving. But if you're just starting and you don't know how to begin and how to do the basics, this is the perfect, perfect book. It walks through roasting a turkey in, in such an, a, a way that makes it really not scary. And I have made a turkey every year following this approach and it has actually never failed me um it plus variations of course including brining and the rest and mm -hmm. the rest of it it has recipes for everything um and they all make sense and and they don't use scary ingredients and and i i love this book he has um a christmas 101 version which i also own i don't use it as much but for a huge host of especially christmas cookie recipes it's it's great mm. um my, my other favorite newer book is called The Art of Pie by Kate McDermott. I, I um, love pies. I, I have to say, I think that pies, apart from sticky toffee pudding, which is a subject for another time, um, are my all time favorite dessert, almost any iteration of fruit pie. Um, but pie crusts um, are daunting yes. and sometimes depending on the kind of fruit and the peeling and the chopping and the this thing and the that thing, it, it's all a lot. And, um, and the art of pie is the best cookbook I found about how to make pie, including crusts, including everything, all kinds of pie. Um, she, it was a huge bestseller when it came out a couple of years ago, which is a funny thing to say about a pie book, but it really was. And she just came out with a follow-up book called pie camp. Um, the library has both of these books. We can't keep them in, but they're beautiful books to look at. And um, uh, she's she's just a really, it's, they're just great. And then of course, which I've mentioned before, Bittman, Mark Bittman, How to Cook Everything, the most beat up cookbook <laughs> in, my, in my collection of cookbooks. The pages are falling out, it's stained, it's battered, um, and it works for everything. Um, I would share, uh, Allison, when we were putting this podcast together, Allison was like, pick a favorite recipe, which is a ridiculous thing like, to ask a favorite for a favorite child. recipe. Yeah. What? Yeah. what? Um, yeah. But um, keeping with the pie theme, I have struggled for years with pie crust and, um, and whether, what, whether to use um, butter or Crisco or leaf lard, which, you know, hardcore uh, bakers swear by. Leaf lard. Uh, leaf lard. That's, that's, I know, I'm, no, our listeners can't see your face, but I can see your face. Um, it, it is, but it is the old, that's the way pie, back in the day, that was the, re, that was the ingredient. Um, uh, 
and I have I have finally found um, a, an all butter crust recipe for the New York Times. I'm jinxing myself in saying this that it has I've made it so many times and it has never um, failed me. Uh, it rolls out like a dream. It flakes. It mm. it just the only thing is it shrinks. So you you have to roll it a little thinner than you think you're going to. But I think it just uses a little bit more butter than most pie crust recipes are sort of a cup and a cup of, and a quarter maybe of flour, a stick of, of butter, and a little bit of salt. Um, and this one uses just a little more butter. Hmm. Um, it's 10 tablespoons instead of eight. And I think that that is what makes it work so much better. Um, so that's the recipe I would recommend uh, for anyone who's looking for uh, a reliable uh, crust recipe. In terms of favorite utensils, these aren't really utensils, but I, but I, um, I would grab if I could carry them all in a fire. My KitchenAid <laughs> mixer. Um, uh, if you don't have them, you, you, one, um, it is just you just can't. I mean, I, 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 you have to have a KitchenAid mixer. You you can get. Um, they always have big sales this time of year, and and they have all different price points for them. Um, uh, a cast iron skillet, ideally more than one eight inch, 10 inch, even 12 inch, if you can, they're, they used to be really expensive and they're not anymore. And they're the best, the best things. And then um, a, a Dutch oven, um, which again, used to be, a, that's sort of a cast iron, um, a, 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 enamel. A, enamel, a, enamel big pot. Um, yes. Again, comes in all different sizes. I probably cook with my cast iron skillet and my Dutch oven several times a week, every single week used to be a splurge and and isn't anymore um so those are all my go-to cooking things Me what too. about you allison too. yeah so i i i wholeheartedly agree and about just to go back to the pie that's why pie, baking is a science and that's why you're good at it and i'm not because science is not my you're, uh, you're the creative person on the team <laughs> and I, right so you cook and i bake we both cook and we both bake but but you're absolutely right you're either in by in your heart of hearts, you're either a, a chef or a baker. I exactly, agree. exactly. When you were talking about your book falling apart, um, one of my favorite cookbooks that uh, we uh, that I own is also completely falling apart. In fact, I was trying to tape it back together this weekend, and the binding <laughs> is just shot. It's stained. It has like napkins stuck in as place marks. No, it, does it, it does. It's called it's called the Silver Palette Good Times Cookbook oh, yeah. um, by Julie Russo, and I think it's a book that I got as a wedding gift, maybe, or as a wedding shower gift. It's probably about that time. Um, but it's just, it has just, it's full of different, all different kinds of recipes. And I just, I love it and use it a lot. And also by Julie Russo and also co-authored by Sheila Lukens is The New Basics, which is, I think, just a classic. It's a great book to give to somebody um, who's just starting to cook or who maybe who's newly married and doesn't have a cookbook. And of course, I love everything and anything by Ina Garten. And you, you know betcha. That, you know that too. I mean, yeah. she's my go-to girl for that. I'm a huge fan of the book Cold Weather Cooking by Sara Lee Chase. It has just so many great comforting foods. I don't, that sounds like a, what, is it a comfort food kind of cookbook? Um, well, I mean, I think of cold weather food kind of as comfort food generally. Yeah. A lot of it is. So yeah, it's a lot of soups and braises and roasts and things you would have that are heavier than you'd have in the summertime. Yum. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, very comforting. I would check that one out, Cindy. I think you'd like it. 
like you, it's so hard to pick a favorite recipe. I mean, my head went through so many different ideas, but I'm going to refer back to one that is from, I believe it's from the New Basics. If it's not from the New Basics, then it's from the Silver Palette Good Times Cookbook. And it's the sun-dried tomato and basil pasta. And this is with brie. And Did the, you say with brie? Yes. And the what? trick, <laughs> it takes a little bit of prep, but it is so worth it. You just, you have to take a hunk of brie and you put it in the freezer for a couple of hours. And then you, well, you, you remove the rind of the brie. You put the brie in the freezer for a couple of hours and then you have to sort of shave the brie into right. very small pieces in a dish. You mean like, like you were, as if you were grating Parmesan? Exactly, okay. exactly. And then with that brie, you put in the sun-dried tomatoes, the oil of the sun-dried tomatoes, more olive oil, garlic, lemon zest, Kalamata olives, and you let it marinate for about four hours, and it becomes this unctuous, delicious oh. thing. And then you take your pasta, you cook your pasta, and you you add this delicious cheesy, garlicky, olivey, olive oily mixture, and you put in fresh basil. Oh my goodness! Holy cow! It's so good. I mean, it's. You will have garlic breath for days. That sounds incredible. <laughs> it is so good um, and really pretty easy. I mean, other than just, you know, buying fresh basil, um, most of that stuff you can yeah. have in your house. It's a, a a summer, it's a summer pasta. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and it, like, as with you, it's very hard for me to pick favorite utensils, but these are things that I use all the time. Believe it or not, I have the original food processor that was gifted to me as a wedding shower gift. Really? It's a Cuisinart, and yeah, it that's is what I still have. going. And my husband and I are going on 30 years this May. Amazing. That we will be, ma Amazing. We will be married. That's I mean, I'm, I'm probably jinxing it. It's probably going to die this weekend. But, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's still going. I'm sure there are better versions, but I love it. Um, an item that I use with almost every dinner meal that I cook are um, food tongs. Yep. A pair. I actually have two that are metal, and they're just great to grab things, to turn things over, yep. to poke something to test it. I just, I love them. Um, because I love citrus so much and I use it in so much of my cooking, two other things that I use a lot are a zester. Uh, if you just invest in a, a metal plain zester, yep. um, plain P-L-A-N-E, um, you can Not zest, expensive at all. Not expensive. And use it every day. Yep. All the time. And then also a reamer um, you can, when you cut a lemon or an orange or grapefruit in half, you stick the reamer in and you twist it around and it produces so much juice. Um, it's, or, or a lime, it's, it's great for all different kinds of cooking and, and juicing and stuff like that. So great, great hard suggestion. to choose, but those are some of our favorites, some of our favorites. Well, Cindy, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope oh, it same is. same to you, Allison, and, and your family, a safe and happy and healthy one. Thanks, you too. That's it for this show, our friends and our listeners. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your shows. Send us a comment. You can email Cindy at chaiken, H-A-I-K-E-N, at wallingfordlibrary.org, or me, Allison Murphy, A. Murphy, at wallingfordlibrary.org. Thanks for listening. Happy reading and eating, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.